The Right Hook with George Hook and that special feature on Thursdays with Bill Hughes, Essential Songs. And uh, this week it's Essential Songs of 1966. You know, Bill, I was thinking, a lot of people joining the programme over the recent weeks and months, uh, they won't have realised the genesis of Essential Songs. What are you, what are you at here? <laughs> what am I at? Uh, it's just a personal taste thing. Looking back over the last century was what we really did. Just what songs meant something to you? I'm picking a year in which you you pick three of the really iconic sort of songs of that year. And people can disagree or agree, but sometimes I can only pick. And today, I have to say, because we're going to 1966, this is volume one, because there could be volume two, three and four of great songs from 1966. Really? 1966 was a turning point in popular music right across the board from groups from solo females to solo males to duos and from American to Irish to to, uh, British music and and music from around the world it was an extraordinary creative time Yeah well I mean as I said I'm 25 I'm really into music but but, I mean dancing and girls and all that sort of stuff The, the difficulty of course for a new generation who have access so easy to music Access to music was still very hard in 1966 because, you know, there there wasn't easy portability. So you were really relying on the radio for your music, really, or going to a dance. You were totally relying on the radio. I I was lucky. I grew up in a Thai. We had a dance hall called Dreamland. And, uh, well, I'm actually going to touch on that as we get into today. (laughs) I am. I am. I'm going to tell you a good story. I'm going to touch on an air hostess, if that's not a particularly uh, odd thing to say. So, For you, no. That's not <laughs> at all. <laughs> so do we kick off? Well, we'll touch on an air hostess in just a minute. Bash on. Well, 1966, yeah. Bill Hughes, Essential Songs. Remember, you get them on Spotify. You just search Essential Songs on the right hook and up they pop. And every week we'll add to the playlist. Where are you kicking off here? I'm kicking off in America. Like it was a it was a number one song all over the world. It came from America. It came from California, and it was inspired by the mother of the writer of the song, explaining to him that dogs sometimes bark at people in response to their bad vibrations, and so he was medicating at the time, and he went off and wrote good vibrations. Was this Brian Wilson? This is Brian Wilson. Now so it's the Beach Boys. Beach Boys. Oh, now. <laughs> I loved them. I oh. loved them. So it was uh, released as a single October 1966, song composed and produced by Brian Wilson, lyrics by Mike Love. And it was one of the songs that they started when they were making their classic piece called Pet Sounds, but it didn't end up on the Pet Sounds album. So in 1966, they released the album Pet Sounds, but they also released this standalone signal, Good Vibrations. And it got them a Grammy nomination for Best Vocal Performance. The song has been got, it's been put in the Grammy Hall of Fame as, as a best song. And it's seen now as an early psychedelic classic pop song. Um, people said that the lyrics were a little bit psychedelic too much and that it must be Brian Wilson's LSD experiences. And he told them in no uncertain terms, he said, excuse me, but I wrote this while I was on cannabis, not on LSD. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you don't mess up your drugs. Can I like touch that. on my ear hostess? Yes. Well, 
It was a really good friend of mine was near hostess with Pan Am, based in California. So anyway, after a period with Pan Am, she applied for a job with Aer Lingus. Now, it was a famous woman in Aer Lingus called Auntie Pat, who was in charge of the virgins who were then the Aer Lingus hostesses. So at the interview, she said to my friend, she said, what hobbies do you have? And my friend said, surfing. And Auntie Pat said, you won't be doing much surfing with their lingus. <laughs> and you're still not. <laughs> was she the woman responsible for all the glasses of milk? I think she was known for giving out glasses. Just look, as long as you give the child a glass of milk on the flight, you win the affection of the parents. And wear white one. gloves. <laughs> all right, OK. The Beach Boys, Good Vibrations, Brian Wilson, Cannabis, uh, all that sort of stuff. I These guys were phenomenal. They really were. And... and uh, you know, when they were growing up, uh, Brian was 16 and on his 16th birthday, his parents gave him a reel to reel tape recorder and he learned how to do overdubs because he was already a gifted musician, a bit of a protege on, on the piano. And uh, his younger brothers, Dennis and Carl, who were 13 and 11 at the time, they learned to play along and to do close family harmonies. But, you know, later Dennis drowned in 1983. He was my favourite. He was the looker as far as I was concerned. Carl died of lung cancer in 1998. Brian is still with us, but... Uh, very, very drug damaged, but a genius, a completed genius. Oh, yeah, I just loved it. I mean, you could, the, the, this, uh, I think, is just great, I must say. And um, what's my favourite Beach Boys one? The Sloop John B. I must oh, is say, it, Jen? Yeah, it's my favourite. But you can't beat Good Vibrations. Uh, the other Good Vibrations man, of course, was the great Donald Sutherland in Kelly's Heroes, where he was always talking about Good Vibrations. <laughs> but here, the originals, Beach Boys, with the, the wonderful Brian Wilson. I, I love the colourful clothes you wear And the way the sunlight plays upon her hair
Well, there they were, good vibrations with the Beach Boys, pretty special. And uh, I think the harmonies were extraordinary, weren't they? The har- really? harmonies there and the experimentation with the keyboard sounds and the overdubbing that you can hear. Uh, it was very experimental, it was great for its day, and that he could make it such a mainstream pop success was, was brilliant, that experimentation paid off. We're in 1966. Bill Hughes' essential songs of that year. If you like it, you can go back to Newstalk.com, look up the podcast, and many of the previous years are all there. And the songs now on the essential songs on the right hook, uh, Spotify. So that's all you do to search, and you find it there. Number 266? Number two in volume one of 66 is Ike and Tina Turner. Ah, River Deep, Mountain High. Oh, I love this. I just love this. This is one of the greatest songs I think ever recorded. Phil Spector even said that it was his greatest moment and his best work. Really? Yeah, and he went into a funk after it because it was so good, he thought he had nothing to ever give again. And he took like two years to recover from delivering the song. It was the start of when he really started to go off the rails. But Ike and Tina Turner... Quite incredible. It was written by Spectre, Jeff Barry and Ellie Greenwich. Jeff Barry and Ellie Greenwich, two of the great uh, songwriting teams from the Brill Building. And it was written in the Brill Building. Another another great classic to come out of that hallowed venue. Um, but early on in the recording process, Phil Spectre realised that Ike Turner wasn't a good man and that he certainly wasn't treating Tina well. So he didn't want him around. He didn't want his bad vibes. He didn't want his bullying. He didn't want bad behaviour. So he paid him $20,000 not to come to the studio. Really? He just, please don't come near us. We have to re- make a re- record. And I don't, you'll get credit as I Tina Turner, but you won't be anywhere on it. And at the time, when you consider 1966, he used 21 session musicians and 21 background vocalists to create what became famously known as the Wall of Sound. And that cost $20,000 just in session fees. So with the $20,000 in session fees and the 22, or sorry, $22,000 in session fees and $20,000 to tell Ike to go away, this was a really expensive song. However, it proved to be one of the greatest recordings of the 1960s and I felt we had to include it today in Volume 1 of 1966. Ah, yeah, but what a voice, Tina, here. I mean, we're, we're starting. I mean, I think the great thing about Turner and I saw in the O2 and and I when I saw her, I really thought there are very few can transpose and I was, you know, from listening to her on, on disc and then to see her, and she did it brilliantly. I was entranced by her uh, in the O2, as it then was. Uh, and um, She's extremely well portrayed by Angela Bassett in the movie What's Love Got to Very Do well. It. Very well portrayed. And Lawrence Fishburne plays Ike very, very well. It's, it's certainly well worth seeing. But there were years where nothing was happening for Tina Turner. And I saw her during those years. I saw her doing a really second string tour in the mid-70s in the UK. She played the Odeon Cinema in um, New Street in Birmingham while I was at college there. And really? There was nobody there. Like, there were maybe 
maybe 500 people in a venue that could have hold, held 2,000. And because she had, she was doing um, Nutbush City Limits. And so, to me, these were classics, but she just wasn't getting the radio play. She wasn't getting the public support that she deserved. And then in 1984, 83, 84, when she came back with the release of Private Dancer and she came back with the single Let's Stay Together and the success of her performance on the tube where she performed it live and she did that little hop, skip and a jump dance that she did where her legs just went in one direction, the dress went in the other direction and her hair went in another direction altogether and she sang. And I just, I fell in love with her all over again. The woman is extraordinary. And you falling in love with women is a bit of an achievement. <laughs> Yeah, I suppose. I don't have to do anything about it. I just love them from afar. <laughs> I listen, I've to, I can't wait. I'm too excited to hear Ike and Tina Turner. Well, maybe Ike isn't there, as, as you've just heard from Bill Hughes. But this is River Deep and Mountain High. When I was a little girl, I had a break
I just I just loved that. I just loved that woman's voice. Um, Ike and Tina Turner uh, on the great Phil Spector song, uh, River Deep Mountain High, choice two from 1966, uh, volume one, Essential Songs by Bill Hughes. Ah, yeah. Amazing. Classic. I, I love it. I love it. And it gives you such a fever and a rush. And you feel it. You just feel the energy of it. Well, now, I, I mean, 1941 last week, you had me ecstatic. The first two songs of 66, I'm ecstatic. We can't, we can't keep going at this pace. Where are we going next? Well, I was 11 in 1966. And my older brother Devlin and I got out the back window of our house. And we went in Dreamland at Thai to see a touring British band who were top of the charts and it was the Trogs. Really? And they had a song called Wild Thing. And Wild Thing to me was one of the most exciting songs I'd ever heard. And Reg Presley singing it. It was amazing. The song was written by Chip Taylor. It, it had been recorded the year before by the Wild Ones in America. But Wild Thing, best known by the English band The Trogs. It went to number one in America, number one all over the world. And there they were playing right in front of us. We could reach out and touch them in Dreamland Thai, playing Wild Thing on a promotional tour. Um, they had uh, another hit with A Girl Like You. They had a song, Love Is All Around. Now, Love Is All Around is a funny one because um, Reg Presley, Reg Morris Ball, as his full name is, he wrote Love Is All Around. And years later... It became the main song from Four Weddings and a Funeral. Love is all around. It's written all... No, you don't remember it. I but remember it was, Four Weddings and a Funeral. And I the saw, main song. I saw Four Weddings and a Funeral in Providence, Rhode Island, of oh, all places. Very good. Well, Reg Ball, um, he, Reg Presley, made a fortune from the rights to that song. And that kept him for the rest of his life because he died, sadly. Uh, cancer took him uh, two years ago. And uh, he said goodbye to this mortal coil. But the the Trogs were a phenomenal band. They came, you know, they they, they tried to have a couple of bizarre reunions and bizarre re-recordings of the song Wild Thing. And they thought it was fun to bring in wild things to do it. So they did a version with Oliver Reed. They did a version with Alex Hurricane Higgins. Like, it was kind of supposed to be (laughs) ironic. But, you know, they they did these mad... And then they did one with Wolf, who was one of the gladiators on TV. And they were... the, the, The inspiration for Garage Rock, they were one of the first punk rock bands. And it's funny, but Jimi Hendrix Experience covered Wild Thing during their appearance in the Monterey Festival. And they sang what they called the British National Anthem. And it was this song, it was Wild Thing. And they climaxed with Hendrix famously burning his guitar. It was to this song. All right, I, I was 25 and, and uh, I was quite... You were quite probably con- a button-up conservative, were you? Yeah, 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 I was. Yeah. Absolutely button-up conservative virgin. Yeah. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, so... So yeah, that 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 just hangs in the air like an atom bomb. <laughs> just like right between us. We might do the year I lost my virginity. That'd be a very good uh, year to go. <laughs> okay, warn me what year it is, and I'll pick appropriate music. I'll pick appropriate mood music. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, um, but 1966, Wild Thing, 
the trogs, Reg Presley and the lads belting it out and, yeah. you know, jeans popping, girls screaming. Yeah. What I year were that. you studying in Birmingham? I was studying in Birmingham from 1975 to 1980. Oh, you just came in after I'd lost my virginity in Birmingham. Oh, very good. Very good. <laughs> God, I'm sure the earth moved for everyone. <laughs> I remember I went to Mass afterwards because I thought I would finish up in hellfire damnation. Where did you go? To the oratory on Hagley Road? Correct. Did you? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Where else would you go when you've just committed a mortal sin? Well... And speaking of mortal sin, here <laughs> is a mortal sin. It is the trogs with wild thing. <laughs> It's Wild Thing with the Trogs. I mean, 66, I am a pretty buttoned-down conservative, like in terms of wearing a tie and polishing my shoes and all this. So Trogs wouldn't have been my kind of music, Bill. Well, they were my kind of music. and You were only 11. I know, but I was a fast learner. Unlike you, as you told us there (laughs) ad nauseum prior to this, but I was a very fast learner. I think I lost mine when I was 14. Oh, Uh, Oh, I did, yeah. Awful. I did, yeah. Yeah. Um, Lost your marbles. Reg Presley vocals, Ronnie Bond on drums, Pete Staples on bass guitar, Chris Britton on guitar. That was the Trogs. They were magical. There you go.
Central Songs of 1966, uh, Volume 1, according to your man, now available, the playlist on Spotify. Just go to Spotify, search for Essential Songs on the Right Hook, and we'll upload the playlist every week with Bill's Choices. You can also uh, listen back to previous podcasts on Newstalk.com. My thanks to your man. He'll be back next week. Bill Hughes's Choice of Essential Songs. Coming up next, Kickstart Your Business.